Welcome back to Caracast, the podcast from Carasoft, the trusted government IT solutions provider. Subscribe to get the latest technology updates in the public sector. I'm Corey Baumgartner, your host from the Carasoft production team. On behalf of Archer, we would like to welcome you to today's podcast focused around third-party risk management on the state and local level. Dan Carianis, Public Sector Director for Archer, Michael Maxman, CISO for the City of San Francisco, and Veronica Mitchell, Head of Information Security for the City of Santa Monica, will discuss third-party risk management challenges and solutions for state and local agencies. Good afternoon. My name is Dan Carianis. I am the Public Sector Director for Archer. I've been involved with this particular event, Public Sector Day, for the last 10 years. And we really appreciate the fact that we have so many state and local folks that want to learn more about a couple topics we're going to hit on today. This first particular panel is going to talk about third-party risk management. So without any further ado, why don't we get started? Uh, So as I said, third-party risk management, I'm going to have the individual panelists introduce themselves. And then we're going to get right into some, um, hopefully you'll find some very important interactive questions. Mike, why don't I have you start? Uh, My name is Mike Maxman. I'm the... CISO for the city and county of San Francisco. You hope you, you enjoy everything that, that this wonderful place offers to you. Thanks again for being here. I'm from the city of, I'm a former uh, CISO for the city of Santa Monica. Yeah, so I've been with the city of Santa Monica for uh, almost five years. Prior to that, I worked for the city of Long Beach. I have a history in utilities and financial and manufacturing industry within the cybersecurity realm. I'm currently working on a doctor um, program, so that's a little bit about me. All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Mitch Herkus. I am uh, work within the White House at the Office of Management and Budget for the federal CIO. I'm the branch director for federal cybersecurity. I have a long history, though, with state and local governments. I worked for the National League of Cities and the National Association of State CIOs, which means I love all cities and counties and states equally. Uh, that said, I also work for New York City Cyber Command, so I have a, a little bit of a, a preference for the Big Apple sometimes. But uh, no, happy to be here and join these fine folks for this conversation. So in preparation for today, we met as a, as a group uh, ahead of time, kind of talked about some of the topics we think you would uh, find interesting as it relates to some questions I'm going to ask the panel to uh, kind of address. And so maybe the first one I'll start off with was, and uh, maybe Mike, if you don't mind, I'll start with you. Describe what you consider best practices when it comes to uh, key vendors uh, who you ask to handle a lot of your sensitive data, sensitive information, maybe access to your facilities. You know, what are some of the best practices you use today to address that? Thanks, Dan. I think um, nowadays, um, you know, you have to be very close to your vendors, right? Especially key vendors. You talked about the, the ones who are responsible for your data, responsible for your systems. You know, so the city and county, of course, is, is pretty large. We have 30,000 employees, 50-plus agencies. We fly planes. We have, you know, municipal network, of course, um, you know, anything from the largest trauma center on the West Coast to, to the jail. So there's a lot of vendors doing a lot of things in very different industries. And our goal is to build a relationship with them. And I think that's really, you know, the key practice is building the relationship. So we, we're not in a very transactional kind of situation, but we really understand what is happening with them and partner with them on cybersecurity, right? It's not just about building it on contract. It's about having that conversation up front. So having a relationship and having the conversation up front before the, the contract is signed, before we establish already or exchange the data, that's, that's key for us. 
we're doing a lot to understand how our vendors are actually treating our data, connecting to our systems, what is their internal process. Interesting piece for us is separating the vendor practices from their product security. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of confusion about you know, the, the people who buy the product right, and say, well, we, we're buying this wonderful service, and look, the service is, is great. And we say, that's great. How does the vendor do it overall? And that's a really different conversation, even with the vendors who come into us and say, we have this amazing product. And we say to them, okay, well, how do you handle your contractors? Or how many of your people are remote who are going to be connecting with us? How many of them are outside of the United States? And that's the conversation starts changing because they're, you know, sometimes they're not prepared for that. So the difference between the product security and vendor security is not understood. And the next big thing, of course, is cloud. We're, you know, everybody's, you know, all our vendors are in cloud. They want to store our data in the cloud. They want to sell us cloud products. That's wonderful. Um, and we're having a lot of conversations. This, again, the partnerships come back to is to say, explain to us how you do cloud security. Don't talk to us about how Google does cloud security or AWS does cloud security. We know that. How are you doing in AWS your cloud security or resiliency, right? And that's, you know, for the large vendors, that's okay, but we, we have a lot of local vendors. We have smaller vendors who are specifically focused on, on the, the local government sector. And for them, still a lot of work to be done. So I would say the, the relationship, the focus on, on the vendor early on in the cycle of procurement, and I have a conversation about vendor security and cloud security, which are different than the product. And that's, that's, been, that's been our focus on our, you know, lots of, lots of interesting issues and, and challenges there. Veronica? Yeah, yeah and I, I totally agree with uh, what Micah said here. And the only thing I would add is that I have a relationship with those vendors and also I have assessments and things um, that I look for from said vendors, right? You know, just like any courtship, you, you want to make sure that they actually are doing what they said that they said that they claim that they would do. And so that means that I am assessing them based on sort of the, their claims that they have. You know, if they said that we have all these great controls in place, then I want to see evidence of that, that they have that. And so from a SAS, um, perspective that's quite easy to do because usually we require that they have some level of assessment, whether that's a SOC type 2 report or some type of attestation of compliance to some form of cybersecurity sort of framework. Um, those are things that are of interest to me and that provides additional assurances for me as, or as to the city as that the vendor is actually doing what they claim that they are doing. So those things are important to me, building that relationship, actually seeing that they actually do have robust security controls is where um, it's sort of paramount for all cities, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree with everything yeah. said at the table. I add that, you know, there are a bunch of different standards out there and it, it, it's appropriate to think about the risk in, in diverse and creative ways, right? Every city is deploying interesting, innovative IoT devices. More of our things are, are connected these days. So it's not just, you know, the typical platforms that you'd think of. You're, you have to think about things like your parking meters. You have to think about all these different things. And down to vendors who may not be thought of as traditional technology and security vendors, maybe someone who, you know, does the registration for the taxi cabs in the city or whatever that may be. What is the impact if those sort of services go down for your city? And if you can think through those sort of things and think through how do we do the risk reduction and all things are not equal, but we have to determine that risk appetite, right? And what standards are they 
what standards are they following, and how much assurances can I get through this process? And then, you know, based on the partnership, and it's, it's a holistic package, you have to think about all these things along with what am I trying to achieve and start that conversation of secure by design from the beginning. So I want to just pick on something Veronica had said here about assessments. So you perform assessments. Is that a, a one and done type thing? Um, if you think about criticality of certain vendors that the city or municipality might have versus others, can you kind of comment about that? Yeah, so the assessments that Dan is referring to is that my vendor, I have like a cloud sort of vendor assessment process that we require sort of cloud providers that are um, touching sort of critical infrastructure or sensitive data, we require that they complete some form of an assessment. And so we have a questionnaire which vendors love. And then we also have sort of a, some type of assess, uh, attestation of compliance that they have to provide to us to show that they have gone through some type of third party assessment and provide us evidence of that. Of course, we, we have a non-disclosure agreement that we sort of enter into with them to let them know that we're not gonna share their information, of course. And so what we ask for from a SOC perspective and I use SOC. SOC has two forms. I want to make sure you all understand that. There's a SOC type 1 and there's a SOC type 2. If you're requesting this information from your vendors, make sure they're providing you a SOC type 2 because that's really looking at whether or not they're effectively implementing their controls. SOC type 1 is saying that they have a designed setup to implement controls, right? And we all can design things, but whether or not you have those things implemented is where you want to make sure you're validating. And so we ask for that, and then at the end of that report, because it's going to be a report uh, that's been performed by a third-party vendor that will provide you detail as to how they stand doing like an audit and, and a sampling of their environment. And so what you will find is whether or not um, there are findings listed there, which aren't necessarily bad things. Management probably has some form of details as to how they're planning on addressing said findings, and you need to look at you know, what were those things and, and have those conversations surrounding those things. So that's one piece of the assessment process. The other piece of the assessment process is I use a tool, um, some type of assessment tool, where I scan their environments um, just to see where they stand as it relates to you know, really doing what they said that they were going to do, right? Um, scanning is good. And so um, when you scan their environment, of course, the assessment is always good because you're trying to understand what the business is doing, right? The business tell you they're engaging with, an, with a, um, a, a vendor. And so you want more details to understand what type of information are you going to give access to this vendor? What will they do for the city? So it provides that level of detail. Do they have cybersecurity insurance? So you'll have those kinds of conversations. And then after you've performed the assessment, once you've had them provide you with sort of that questionnaire, then you can kind of glean as to what level of detail you need from said vendors. And then you run the scans. And then I always tell people when you have the questionnaires, remember you're talking to a vendor who's trying to sell you something. So I can, you can imagine how great that's going to sound, like your first date, right? Oh, my gosh, I'm the best thing you'll ever meet. You know, it's sort of like that. <laughs> and now you have to dive into the details. And when you dive into the details, that's when you realize you're not so good. You know, um, I think we can do better. And so you have to go, you know, kind of make sure you review that from the scanning perspective and then the attestations of compliance and things like that. So. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Mike, anything to add to that, just from uh, what the city of San Francisco might do? Sure. You know, I was thinking in preparation, like, what, what can I tell you that is actually city-specific, right? Because I think everything we've talked about could apply 
to any company. But I think there's very specific things that, that happen at a local level that might not exist in a traditional third-party you know, risk assessment. You know, to, just to add to everything that Veronica was talking about, our program is about two and a half years old, and we've, we've gone through a lot of evolutions. Some challenges for us initially have been that a lot of vendors, you come through, through resellers, but that's not who, we don't want to assess the reseller. Right? We actually don't care about the reseller. We care about the manufacturer of the product. So we, we had to have a lot of conversation. We, we did a lot of roundtables for the resellers, as well as the vendors, to say, here's who we're going to assess. But it was a shock to the resellers, because we also told them that you're responsible for the vendor's responses. We're going to hold you responsible as well, and we have held, through the city attorney, responsible the, the resellers. Before, they were just playing this game of, like, okay, here's... I'm introducing you, I'm just giving you a better price, and that's great. Now we're telling them you're responsible for the answers. Yes, we, we, we will go after everybody, and we have gone after everybody, right? Through, if there's something, something's happening, right? We're going after the seller, we're going after the manufacturer. If you have attested to us that you have held the controls, and yet through your breach, we have determined that you have not, we are going after you. We're not going to stop there. We have some very serious data that almost no, um, private organization will have. You're thinking about minor sexual assault cases, you know, people who are the most vulnerable of the communities and their mental health status. So we're, we're serious about this stuff. Um, so that's, that's been one of the areas for us. Another area for us was, that's been really challenging is NDAs. I love NDAs, you all love NDAs. CCSOC too. I mean, so so that, that's an interesting conversation you have is you're paying, or the vendors are paying, right? a lot of money to an auditor to produce a SOC 2 to give to their customers, and yet you're making me jump through so many hoops to get to sign this NDA. You all have to understand, I mean, we, we all, you know, the people in, you know, who are in this local space, we have our attorneys who do not love signing. They tell me, I cannot sign an NDA on behalf of the city unless their, you know, attorneys are involved. And in every iteration, takes so much. So that's been there's been ongoing challenge and we've done we've published actually a standard city NDA. We went to our city attorneys and we said, give us a standard language. Like if we if we can sign this, if the vendor would just do it, then I, I pre-sign it and we email it to all of the vendors during our assessment to say, here's our NDA, it's already pre-signed. Just we we've done as much as we can and it's basically, you know, it's not one pager, but it says, we will take care of your SOC 2, which you are giving to everybody in the world, but we will delete it as soon as we see it. We don't want to ho hold it, right? So that's been, like I said, and yet we still get a lot of the members who come back and say, well, here's our special, unique NDA, and so we have to change that. That's number two. And then three is interesting for us. We do a lot of work with smaller community-based organizations, and that's ongoing work. We haven't figured it out. We share a lot of sensitive data with them. They are often not, they're not vendors, they're partners for us to deliver services and was critical. They're often enormously understaffed. You know, they're usually nonprofit. They do a lot of good in the community. They, you know, IT is, is hard for them. Cybersecurity is even harder. Finding the people who will work at these kind of organizations and, and provide the services. And so we, we're thinking about how do we use collective defense capabilities to really help them, right? This is not about the vendor kind of assessing. It's not about a, a selling relationship. It's a different type of partnership, and we're still, you know, we're still in the process. Mitch, did you have a comment? And I have a follow-up for you as well, Mitch. Yeah, so from an assessment standpoint, I, I do want to say, like, when I was in New York City Cyber Command, we did have 
certain instances where select things that were critical, as you kind of mentioned, we would, we would go so far as kind of uh, a collaborative red teaming with some of the software providers or IoT that we were deploying in the city. And I, I think that can be really valuable. Now, not everyone obviously has the resources at the state and local level to do that. And it can't be done on everything. But there are other opportunities. One of the things I've been thinking about is when it comes to state and locals is one of the things we're very excited about is we're going to soon be putting out a requirement for self-attestation for software producers who provide software to the federal government is contracting with the federal government. In those instances, they are attesting to the federal government to meeting certain minimum requirements in their production, in their software production, how they develop that software, meaning certain sort of security standards. And I think once that occurs, I think that's a wonderful thing that state and local governments can leverage mm -hmm. to basically say, have you done this on behalf of the federal government? Can I at least get, you know, if you don't have the resources to check on everything in every scenario, it's an opportunity there if you know they're a partner with the federal government to say, do you have this? Have you done this? And, and it provides some assurance there and some level of assessment in, in an easier manner than might be otherwise available. Uh, Mitch, you touched on a topic a little bit ago. Can you talk a bit about maybe just from your background with what you do today and in the past, uh, risk management frameworks in general and the thought around adopting a risk management framework as a municipality or as an entity, the challenges of doing that and the opportunities of doing that well? Sure. Well, I think the biggest challenge is the diversity of mission and trying to find frameworks that work for everything. There, there are a couple on the federal level. NIST is a wonderful resource that I, I think I didn't realize how wonderful a resource, frankly, until I got to the federal level and started going through having, you know, by both push and pull have to leverage them as much as possible. But, you know, I could rattle off some numbers, but, the, you know, 800-171 is one of their, you know, basically... I'm working with a third party who's accessing sensitive data. What are the questions I need to be asking? What is the risk framework for that look like? How that's going to be implemented by whether you're a city, a state, whoever, is going to look very different. The DOD has gotten, you know, CMMC in, for those who were dabble at the federal level, which is a, a pretty significant and, you know, DOD type, you know, risk management scenario. That may not work for every civilian you know, entities that we have the Marine Mammal Commission, which is maybe a dozen people, you know, they're not going to be doing that necessarily. However, you know, at a state and local level, there might be varying versions of that based on risk. There's also recently released one for IoT devices, which I think could be highly useful at the state and local level, particularly because <laughs> there's much more rubber meeting the road there when it comes to IoT. We have put in place something that basically ensures that the CIO of an agency looks at devices when they come in and basically makes a determination with that enterprise whether or not they have met the needs under this essentially the NIST framework there. And if it hasn't, they have to determine a risk exception that goes up to the agency head. So there, there's really opportunities to create those checks and balances. And I think, you know, I know the federal government's different. I definitely don't want to be that person after working at the state and local level for so long who's like, oh, just follow the federal government. It's a different animal. But I do think there's some practices there that can be leveraged and changed in a way that could be useful for federal and local and state Thank and you. local entities. Yeah. We've got about five minutes. I know we started late, so we're going to we'll run a little bit late. And the Zero Trust panel, I think you're next. Maybe you all want to meet in the back of the room, and then we'll have you come up uh, when we're done. Um, one other question I guess I have, uh, maybe for the two of you, um, a city, a municipality, a county is made up of a lot of departments and entities. Um, 
how do you herd cats, if I could say it that way, uh, so that everybody is kind of in unison sharing information, good and bad about vendors, those types of things. We talked about assessments <coughs> earlier, so maybe yeah. just a couple comments from you uh, about that, because that's got to be a very difficult problem for just about anybody in the room. Right. So when I first started working for the city of Santa Monica, what I did is integrated myself in their procurement or finance process. And so the assessment that I spoke of is sits within sort of procurement. And so if you're going out to purchase any type of cloud solution or whatever, then attached to your RFP is that, you know, your vendor needs to make sure that they provide us, um, you know, the security team with that assessment. And if you forget, forget, to ask for a set assessment and you go to procurement and you say, okay, I have my product and now I'm ready to purchase, the thing that procurement is going to ask you will have you get, received the sign-off from the security team. Mm -hmm. And never have I had anyone say, um, you know, I'm trying to get this paid, but they won't pay it because you haven't signed off on it and they're just bringing it to me. Never has anyone gone to council and said, <laughs> security is holding up the purchase of said product <laughs> when they just gave it to security two days ago, right? And so, you know, um, the purpose of doing that is just to make sure they don't, of course, it's to kind of address the shadow IT, right? We want to make sure we get as many as we can before on the back, you know, before they go to purchase and we have no idea and something happens and then you know, they're looking for us to help them. And that's one thing we really didn't talk about as far as shared services. Some businesses have the idea that, you know, if we're gonna use cloud, why do we need to even involve IT? It's a cloud service, we don't need them at all. And that's not the model. So I, I sort of had my little picket sign going around. It's like, no, it's a shared model. You know, we still have governance that we have to hear, we have to tackle. We still have to make sure we're involved in case there is a cybersecurity breach. You know, you're going to have to engage with us. So let's make sure you get us involved early so we can do our due diligence because we have to attest that the city has done that, validated that the vendor has implemented reasonable and appropriate security controls. So it's, it's to your, it's to the city's importance that you make sure you involve us in that process. And so I just wanted to make sure that I spoke to that, and I don't know if I answered your no, question. No, that was great. That was great. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Mike, at all? Yeah, I, I, procurement is our best friend. We are very closely working together. You know, I, I mentioned that we are a little new to the vendor risk game uh, about two years ago. So we had a uphill battle to convince our agencies and departments, uh, 50 of them, that we will help you in this process. Right, it's already such a long process that you know the government to to get anything done. There's already 17 checks. I might be exaggerating, but we were going to introduce a new cyber check for everyone, and we basically we, we started with saying we're pretty much going to cover everything technology-wise. So it was a it was a long education campaign of why do we need to do it? Why is this a problem? And how will we actually help everybody to move faster to this? And you know they they'll actually you know they'll actually see value. Um, and we've been delivering on that. You know, as much as my team who's focusing on third-party matter risk management, as much as they, they say, like, how do we minimize the risk, they're also focused on how do we make this process better, better for our agencies, but also better for our partners. And we've, we've been adopting a framework. So we've adopted FAIR. We looked at NIST. FAIR seemed a more kind of a model where, where we, at the local level, we can do. And so we, we've started, initially, we had everybody the same approach. And so just recently, we switched to we really want to focus on differentiated approach. We're actually stepping up our game on the most critical matters, 
but also allowing some of the tools like the scanning tools and, and the services like Secure Scarcard or BitSight to play a larger place at, at a less risky vendors so we can move faster, right? The goal is move fast where the risk is low, but take our time and really do due diligence only where the risk is high because of the data or the service. Very good. And one other thing I would like to add, I also made sure I partnered with the legal city attorney's office because you want to make sure you have verbiage um, within the contract to, that will hold vendors accountable to that stuff. So you make sure you partner with your legal department to provide that verbiage that you need. Well, we are about out of time. Uh, these sessions are going to go really fast. So maybe I'll take one quick question from the audience. Is there anybody that's got a burning question? Yes, sir. So the yes. question is around FedRAMP or state ramp? Right. Now, um, you, that's a great question. And so what we found that there are some vendors that have never um, thought about having a cybersecurity assessment. They can't afford it from their perspective. And so what we would recommend is that they use state ramp. Um, so state ramp is sort of, mm -hmm, it provides sort of a means to sort of perform, help them go through the state, um, the assessment process. It's um, usually about a month or it's, it's not as long as a full-blown assessment and they're monitoring things for them. And so actually you'll notice if you go out and take a look at stateramps.org, you'll look at their website, you'll see a lot of vendors are involved with that. What I would say from a visionary perspective, what I see happening for us as an industry, I see us being able to go to a body where we say, okay, we need to validate that this vendor has implemented reasonable and appropriate security controls, controls. and validate someone that's continuously monitoring that. Because remember, we're very lean staff. We need someone to, we're just doing it maybe annually, something occurs, we're running scans regularly of their environment using whatever um, security scorecard that we decide to use. But we really need someone I guess a U.S. needs someone where we can go to a single body and say, okay, are you monitoring these? Can I go and I grab um, sort of information from you to validate that this vendor is secure? I see us heading down that path as a, as a nation. We're not there yet, but that's where I think it's going to help us. And state ramp is sort of beginning that process for us, and I suspect fed ramps, but state ramp provides that um, sort of a governing body of doing that for Very us. Good. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our guests, Dan Karianis, Michael Maxman, and Veronica Mitchell. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to Caracast, and be sure to listen to our other discussions. If you'd like more information on how Juniper Networks can assist your organization, please visit www.carasoft.com or email us at rsamarketing at Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.